Whether it's her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct has everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. Me. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no Spice Girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Hi everyone. I have had a fucking enough, right? I just listened to Joe Biden, President of the United States, essentially tell the American people that he doesn't have any power to take any fucking action. I just listened to Joe Biden and before that Nancy Pelosi tell black women that they need to organize and get to the fucking pulse. Here's the thing that I want to say about the democratic establishment and the moment that we are living through right the fuck now. Fuck you. The reason why we are here at this moment isn't just because Republicans have been showing us who the fuck they are for the last 50 goddamn years. That's not the reason why we are here, right? Republicans have always shown us who they are. It is Democrats who have sat down or fucking better yet laid the fuck down like a bunch of goddamn doormats believing that these people who build a fucking gallows are their friends who believe right that somehow you can negotiate with fucking terrorists let me paint the picture for you right now of what the supreme court has fucking done so yesterday they decide that oh in new york city in new york state you can no longer create your own laws for your own constituents, right? That states' rights apparently only matter if you are a red fucking state. If you are a blue state or a person that actually, right, wants to live free, free of fear, free of violence, you're just fucked because the Supreme Court just turned America into the wild, wild fucking West where we don't know who got a gun, right? There are 390 million of them floating around these United States that only house about 330 million fucking humans. But here we are, because according to the Supreme Court, the more guns we have, the safer that we are. I don't know. Where were they during Uvalde? Where were they during Buffalo? Where were they during Parkland? Where were they during Newtown? Right? And the list fucking goes on and on and on and on. The reality is that we are here because Democrats believe that, oh my God, if we force the hand of Republicans too much, that when they get in power, they're going to slap us back. Guess what, bitch? We have arrived. Okay? We are in the moment that you all have been too tepid to fucking deal with from jump. Republicans have all the power. We have the fucking White House. We have Congress. And we don't have dick. Because we have nobody that has been fighting for the American people since Obama left office. Not a fucking person. And you know, frankly, when Obama was in office, he fucking sat around and allowed Mitch McConnell to dictate the terms of whether or not he could actually fully function as the president of the United States. And instead of taking that motherfucker to court when he should have, to say you don't get to, as majority leader in the Senate, decide who gets to sit on the Supreme Court because the American people, the nation didn't fucking vote for you. But no, he did it because he was too afraid about his fucking legacy and he was too concerned with what Republicans would do. Well, Republicans are doing right the fuck now. So now what are you doing, right? 
Joe Biden is sitting up in front of the American people telling us that we have to vote. Where the fuck were you in 2020? We turned up in mass in the midst of a pandemic before a fucking, fucking, right, vaccine. People were out in the goddamn streets turning up to fucking vote. You're telling us now that they are continuing to crime out in the open, that they have displaced electors, that they have voted in for secretaries of state, that they have at the AG level, they are at the school board level. You think voting is gonna fix this? You think voting alone is gonna fix where we, the fuck we are right now? These motherfuckers have created no recourse. Do you know what else the Supreme Court overturned this week? Your ability to have your Miranda rights read by police officers, and then your ability to sue them Right? If in fact they don't read you your Miranda rights, that's gone as well. So you want to tell me about this strategy that has been put in place by Republicans out in the fucking open that Democrats weren't expecting and everybody fucking walking around with their hands up in the air talking about, oh my God, I can't believe that this is happening. You can't believe that this is happening? It's your job. If I'm at work and fucking shit gets fucked up while I'm there, who's responsible for that? Right? Not the customer that is walking in, not the listener that is listening to my podcast. No, it's the person that you voted into office that is supposed to be responsible for keeping Americans safe. Telling us that, oh, this is all on us. We got to go and vote. Where the, why is it that when Democrats are president, right? When Democrats hold the presidency, why does it seem feckless? Why does it seem that they have absolutely no power, that all power lies with the people, but when Republicans are in office, somehow the presidency is akin to a king? How the fuck does that work? You're telling me that they got all the smart people around them? I mean, we fucking know that from the 1-6 commission fucking hearings that ain't nobody smart was around Donald Trump, but he was able to fucking undo democracy in four fucking years? Give me a break right now. I am so tired of the democratic establishment believing that they can solve every fucking problem with a finger wag and a fucking bottle of scotch in a back room somewhere. You are living in the 21st century. These motherfuckers are violent. It isn't just Marjorie Taylor Greene. There is a whole fucking militia of Marjorie Taylor Greens and Lauren Boeberts. If they were willing to hang Mike Pence, do you think that they're not willing to shoot you? Do you think that they're not willing to show up at your house with the fucking lynching mob like they did in Mississippi, like they did in Alabama, like they did all across this country to lynch black people? You think that you safe? These politicians, my God, wake the fuck up. That was not a speech that provided any fucking sense of urgency whatsoever. All it did was once again put, ban put a bandaid on a fucking gaping goddamn wound where the heart of this country used to be is now fucking hollowed out by six fucking people, five, excuse me, because it was a five to four decision, five fucking people that the American people didn't elect. And right now, Clarence Thomas is sitting around figuring out how to get rid of a, how to get rid of contraception, how to get rid of same-sex marriage, how to get rid of your ability to fuck who you want, how you want, where you want. That is what is at stake. I said fucking months ago, I said years ago, the Martin Niemöller perm. So first they come for, first they come for the socialist, but I didn't do anything because I wasn't a socialist. Then they came for the laborer, but I didn't do anything because I wasn't a laborer. What do you think that they've been doing now? First they came for the trans kids, but nobody gave a fuck because, oh, you know, we don't understand trans kids. Then they came for marriage equality. Oh, but I'm not gay, so that doesn't matter either. Oh, then they came for abortion, but you know what? I'm not gonna have kids, I don't mind, so that doesn't matter either. Oh, then they came for voting rights. Well, you know, I don't really vote because only fucking 60% of America votes in any election anyway. They are coming for you. This is what they are saying. This was not target practice. This was not a shot up in the air. This was not a fucking flare, folks. They just dropped a bomb on our democracy. They dropped a bomb on our civil rights. They are thinking, considering overturning Love and V Virginia. 
Do you think that Brown versus the Board of Education ain't on their chopping block too? The Supreme Court just told religious fucking zealots, oh, you don't want to send your kid to public education? You don't want them to go to public school? Oh, we got you bet. Because now the states and our tax dollars are going to go to educating your Christian fundamentalism. Because there's no separation between church and state. Their plan has been activated. It was activated when people decided that they were more concerned with Hillary Clinton's emails and fucking voting for Jill Stein than they were recognizing that Donald Trump was the fucking threat that he was and still is. We want to talk right now about how, oh my God, it was just a handful of people that, you know, enacted, jumped into action and staved off a coup. Staved it off from where? We have a radicalized, compromised, and corrupt Supreme Court. Why do I say that? Not just because I don't like their decisions, but because of this. So let me give you point one. Clarence fucking Thomas is a compromised, corrupt piece of shit. We know that him and his wife, Ginny, right, are all up in cahoots with John Eastman, who was Clarence Thomas's clerk, and Mark Meadows, who Ginny Thomas just so happened to have on speed dial on January 6th, Right? And then he just happens to sit on a couple of cases that he gets to be the deciding factor on and doesn't recuse himself and nobody opens up an investigation into that motherfucker. That's number one, because that's the latest shit. Brett Kavanaugh had over 4,000 tips that came into the FBI for his predator, sexual predator, rapist ass. Do you know what the FBI did with those 4,000 fucking tips? They stuffed them in a fucking drawer. Oh, and then they dropped them off at the Trump administration's White House. Then he became a justice. So you want to tell me that this Supreme Court isn't compromised? You had Mitch McConnell jam through Amy COVID Barrett in 30 fucking days. And once again, Democrats didn't push back. These motherfuckers are sitting in lifetime appointment positions. Folks, give me a break. Don't tell me shit can't be done because Republicans always find a way to get some shit done. Democrats sitting around going, maybe we'll get them next time. There is no next time. Let me say that again. There is no next time. We are not getting another election following midterms. You want to think that I'm chicken little telling you that the sky is fucking falling? Remember this, right? When you are being carted off, there is no next time. Republicans take control of the House and of the Senate. Biden will be impeached. You will say to me, Danielle, how will they do that? They will own all fucking mechanisms of government. That's how. It doesn't need to be based in fact. It doesn't even need to be based in fucking reality. They become the leaders again in Congress. You're done. You got Ron DeSantis that is climbing up right now in the Republican polls for president. Do you see what he has done to the state of Florida with his white discomfort bills, with his don't say gay bills? Let that shit be nationalized. People want to tell me, oh, well, I'm safe. I live in California or I live in New York. Well, guess what? We're no longer safe to walk around the fucking streets here because we don't know which motherfucker got a gun or who doesn't, right? So you think that, oh, because you live in a blue state or inside of a blue city that somehow you are going to be safe from the violence, right? That they are getting ready to inflict or already inflicting? You had... 31 white supremacists that were arrested in Idaho for getting ready to riot at a pride event. Do you know what the Republican response was to that? Oh, for Governor Abbott to make it illegal for drag queens to be able to read to children. Oh, that's right, because I guess a drag queen is an equivalent of an AR-15 with a 100 magazine cap of capability, the ability to kill at least 30 people in the blink of an eye. Because that's the biggest threat to our children. Not AR-15s, but drag queens. Bitch miss me with it. Then you also have Nancy Pelosi today wanting to get up to self-congratulate on gun legislation. Oh my God, bipartisan gun legislation. Passed the Senate, gonna be voted on in the House and then they can all throw a party at the White House to congratulate themselves on what exactly? Because let me tell you what this legislation doesn't do.
It doesn't ban assault rifles. It doesn't ban bump stocks. It doesn't raise the minimum age of being able to buy a weapon of war. So tell me again why we are celebrating bipartisan bullshit gun legislation that the only thing that it has in the title that deals with guns is the name. Because other than that, what they are offering is mental health services for the kids that we continue to traumatize while sending them to school to learn active shooter drills and hide underneath their desks. What we are doing is providing mental health care for teachers who are already underpaid. But here, strap up, because you need to be able to teach the ABCs with an AR-15 strapped to your back. Oh, because we believe that teachers, what, are going to be more brave than the police officers that sat outside of Uvalde Elementary School for 60 goddamn minutes while they listened to children die? You're telling me that a teacher... It's going to stop the crimes that police officers stood outside and didn't fucking stop. And all of them were strapped up with bulletproof fucking vests. Miss me with it. This country just became incredibly unsafe because of a corrupt, corrupt Supreme Court. And because we have an opposition party. And I'm talking about Democrats that don't oppose a fucking thing. I don't need your fucking thoughts and prayers. I don't need your finger waving. I don't need your strongly worded fucking speeches that don't mean shit because right now they are falling on non-listening ears because the only thing that I am hearing, right, is the fear and the threat of people who look like me and love like me wondering where the fuck they are going to be safe because I'd love to say that I'll just become a recluse and I'll just stay inside my home. Well, Breonna Taylor thought that she could do that too. And she died in her fucking sleep, right? Oh, I thought that I had the freedom. I thought it was America, the home of the brave. Oh, right, the police, we congratulate them. We celebrate them. We give them, guess what? Immunity, right, from prosecution. Oh my God, because they should be applauded for doing what exactly? They don't stop crime. They are organized crime, right? Mayor Adams here in New York just gave them what? Oh, I think um, mm, mm, maybe billions of more dollars than they asked for because he believes that more of a police presence is equals to safety. Show me what wealthy white community has streams of police officers that are in there and that's why the neighborhood is safe. Folks, if you today have had it, right? If you are like me and you were like at 10 o'clock this morning, I need a fucking drink. Understand that you are not alone or an alcoholic because this goddamn country has tested us for the last time. So let me tell you this in closing, because I need to catch my breath, right? Let me tell you this in closing. Voting ain't fixing this. Let me say that again. Voting is not fixing this. Not when you have a two-party democratic system with only one party that believes in the Constitution and that believes in the people's ability to vote. What the 1-6 hearings are showing you are the lengths that the Republican Party are willing to go to in order to make sure that you are unable to vote. So every time that I hear somebody from Nancy Pelosi to Joe Biden to fucking Schumer, right, to fucking Kamala Harris tell me that, oh, we need to vote and we need to march, bitch, miss me with it. Okay? Because while we are doing that, they are arming up, right? Their militias are ready to go. You got proud boys storming in, unaffected, into LGBTQ spaces and ain't nobody doing dick. You got Marjorie Taylor Greene and Lauren Boebert telling us that the LGBTQ community is the biggest threat to their kids. No, bitch, you are. And Democrats are too chicken shit to say so. Want to still be talking about their colleagues from across the aisle. Nigga, they're trying to kill you. Do you understand that? These people want you dead. Do you get that? Do you understand that your colleagues gave insurrectionists a map to your office? There was no way for people to be able to find Nancy Pelosi's office in the Capitol. How do I know that? Because I used to work on the Hill. So how is it that people literally were mapping out your death and you still think you can compromise? Oh my God. I think that bipartisanship in this day and age should be the dirtiest fucking word because it is the biggest fucking lie. You want to talk about the big lie? It isn't just what Donald Trump has been fucking spitting around for the last fucking two years. No, the biggest lie, 
right? Is the belief that somehow these politicians that you vote in care more about you than they do filling their own pockets. We did not have to be here. We don't have to be here right now. If for not Joe Manchin and Kirsten Cinema that tell you that they believe more in the filibuster than they do in our constitutional right to be able to have an abortion, then our constitutional right to be able to vote. They want to tell you that, oh, we need to preserve this thing. No, what they want to say, but they won't, is that they are a part of the white supremacist structure that they want to be preserved. Because you see, in that structure, they are at the top and they get to play every fucking body. They get to play Republicans who are like, oh, come over here. They get to play Democrats because they're like, oh, well, if you don't have our vote, then you don't have anything. I didn't get to vote for a fucking King Cole in West Virginia. I didn't get to vote for that denim vest wearing bitch in Arizona, okay? So I don't know why they are the ones that get to dictate the terms of how this Senate should operate. And once again, if we had a president that was on our side, that people were actually fucking afraid of, then maybe they wouldn't be calling press conferences when the president rolled up to Capitol talking about, I'm not gonna back this voting rights legislation. I'm not gonna back infrastructure. It's just not what I want to do. What? You know why they act the way they do? Because there are no fucking consequences for their actions. And I'm telling you here, right in this moment, they will face consequences for these actions one way or the fucking other, right? This ain't ending well. I say it every fucking day on Woke AF. I've been saying it since Donald Trump went down those fucking golden fucking escalators. I said that white supremacy was not going down without a fight, right? That people wanted to believe, oh no, he could never become president. And then, oh, if he becomes president, just give him a chance. It won't be that bad. I don't need to see a burning cross on my front lawn to recognize what racism looks like, right? I don't need to see somebody grab a woman by the pussy to recognize that you don't have any care whatsoever for women and people with uteruses. You don't need to call me the F word. You don't need, right, to gay bash me for me to recognize that you don't give a fuck, right, about me as a whole human being. So understand that there will be consequences to the actions that have unfolded this week, right? Because what I know to be true is that the people, the real people of this nation are not as weak as the democratic establishment is. The real people, you know, the ones that actually are affected by inflation, the people who are affected by gas prices, the people that were affected by COVID, these people are real people. And they're not just gonna sit around casually while one right after the other is stripped away. I know that I am not going out like that and nobody that I know is going out like that. So don't sit around here, right? And think for a minute that all is said and done. No, this is just the beginning. They have declared war. And the question is, what is our response going to be? It's no secret that the news is horse pill hard to swallow. Thankfully, there's the Bituation Room podcast hosted by comedian and commentator Francesca Friorentini for a lighter take on the heavy stuff. Each week, the Bituation Room brings you progressive comedians, experts, and activists to break down the issues in a way that won't just leave you crying under a weighted blanket. Get the Bituation Room on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and streaming on YouTube and Twitch. there. I want to tell you about another podcast I think you'll love. The Brown Girl's Guide to Politics hosted by Ashanti Goler, the president of Emerge. BGG is the one-stop shop for women of color who want to hear and talk about the world of politics. Join Ashanti this season as she talks to incredible women of color who are changing the face of politics and tackling some of the most important issues facing the United States. From reproductive justice to voting rights to climate change and more. Tune in every Tuesday wherever you get your podcasts. Folks, I am very excited to welcome to Woke AF Daily for the very first time uh, Mayor, former Mayor Anise Parker, who is the CEO of Victory Fund and Victory Institute. Um, they are the electoral candidate arm of the LGBTQ movement, uh, the organization that is responsible for getting as many LGBTQ plus people um, elected to office from the local, state, and national level. Um, Mayor Parker, you um, 
took over the reins at Victory Fund at a very interesting time in our politics, uh, where we were headed into, I believe, headed into the 2016 uh, election between Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton. We all obviously know how that turned out. And we are dealing with the um, the residual effects of that disastrous election um, today and every day uh, over the last five years. Can you tell us what you see as the climate right now for your candidates um, and the movement in general? I actually took over victory right at the beginning of 2018. So we'd had time to process the impact of of Donald Trump and we were heading into the 2018 elections. And at that time, I was very optimistic because 2018 saw more women, more candidates of color, more LGBT candidates, non-traditional candidates of, of every stripe running for office, people who were appalled at the election of Donald Trump, at the rhetoric he was spouting, at what he was inspiring in people, and they were standing up to run for office. Now, the it was a, a little bit of a good news, bad news situation. A lot of these were first-time candidates. A lot of them lost, but it meant that people were paying attention and they wanted to get engaged. There was uh, there were a surge of, of new people elected. There were uh, some uh, of the very few congressional seats that are in play were, were flipped uh, red to blue. There was a, a little bit of optimism. I mean, today is a hard day because of the uh, Supreme Court decision on Roe v. Wade, as we're as we're recording this, and you know, of all of the horrible things Donald Trump is and was. The one thing he did spectacularly was reshape the Supreme Court. And that is something that's going to take probably the rest of my lifetime to undo. You know, it's really disheartening because I came into politics at a time when we were about progression. It We were experiencing a, a kind of surge of progressive ideas, progressive candidates. We had, you know, we're coming off of the Bush years into yes, you can, and yes, we can, and hope and change. And eight years of believing that it was possible to actually bend the arc towards justice. How do you stay inspired, right? Because you have been in politics, Mayor Parker, for a long time in a, you know, in a, in a tough, in a tough, in a tough state, right? In Texas, right? Um, and, and, and so you are no, you are no stranger to the roller coaster, but, but this time feels different. So how are you staying inspired, engaged? And if you're not, that's fine too. But I just, I want to understand how people are keeping their wits about them. I've I've actually been asked this by by a number of younger people recently. I'm I'm 66 years old. I attended my first LGBT organizing event in 1975. Yes, I was in office for 18 years in Houston, but I started out as an activist in the 70s as a college student. And the the thing that sustains me is that we have made so much more progress than I ever imagined would be possible in my lifetime. And even though we are stepping backwards in a lot of ways, I have every faith that we're not going to go back that far because the world has changed. The world has shifted. And young people, if they would engage, and that's the frustrating part, if they would engage, uh, have a completely different attitude on a range of social issues and see the world differently than, than I did and my parents did, and, and then a, a couple of generations in between us, that I, I have faith uh, in what is possible. I think on a range of, of issues that I care deeply about, on uh, social issues that I care deeply about, that we're going to eventually get there. That, you know, the that quote that you gave, the arc of the moral universe is long, but it bends towards justice. People use that as if it's somehow magical. That if we just we, if we pray or have hope and are patient, we'll get there. That's not how it works. The yeah. arc of the moral universe bends because we put our hands on it and move it into place. 
And if we take our hands off, if we take our eyes off the prize, we can go backwards. But we're not going to go back to the 1950s. We're not going to go back to the 1940s. And that's what sustains me. Incremental progress. We're going to hold whatever we can and then gird up and move forward again. I am tired of doing this. So today feels a lot Today feels a lot like, you know, four times in my adult life in Houston, <clears throat> my neighbors have voted to tell me that as a lesbian, I have fewer civil rights than they do. We had a statewide marriage amendment, and then we've had three uh, votes on LGBT rights in the city of Houston. The last one coming uh, in my last year as mayor, Voters who'd already elected me to office nine times consecutively citywide voted that I shouldn't have non-discrimination protection. So, you know, I, I guess I take the long view in this that and, and I'll take hope in the in the things that I know have changed and won't go back. But it is you know, it is hard. One of the things that I am most concerned about and again, um, you know, my, my timeline is different, but one of the things I'm most concerned about is that the opposition, the Republican, uh, opposition seems actually to be violent. And, you know, when I got into politics again, you're talking about, oh, it was ideological differences, right? And I use quotations because I still believe that they use ideology to mask racism, misogyny, and all versions of hatred, LGBT, you know, Q phobias and, and all of these things. And they say that it's their conservatism that has them believe this way, right? That people are less than. However, what we are seeing, you know, as we're watching these uh, insurrection hearings, the J6 committee's hearings, we are, and the listening to the rhetoric of people like a Marjorie Taylor Greene and a Laura Boebert, who have become the voices and the faces of, uh, of the House of Representatives and the Republican Party just in general, these are not people that see their colleagues as just their ideological opponents. They see them as their actual opponents, meaning they see them as the enemy, right? And they, they, and they, and they rallied a crowd of people to go in and attack who they perceive to be the enemy. So for people who believe and are invested in our democracy by way of running for office, how do you, like, how do you convince folks to run for office and that it's safe to do so? And then what do you, what are your feelings about the democratic establishment's understanding of who their opponents really are and the lengths that they're willing to go to, to win? So first I'm going to say that in a lot of ways, it is not safe to run for office and it is always less safe for women. Always. The, the rhetoric directed at women, the threats directed at women are more personal, more visceral than those directed at men. However, there have always been folks who are willing to stand up. One of the reasons that I'm not a big believer in in recruiting people to run for office. Mm -hmm. I much believe that people need to be willing to to raise their hand and say, pick me, I'm ready to to do this Uh, because we have to. And even though it is... And when I say it's unsafe, it's unsafe. It can be unsafe emotionally. Mm-hmm. It can be, you know, psychologically and sometimes physically. But there are struggling democracies around the globe where, and even in our neighbor in Mexico, our neighbor Mexico, in certain parts of Mexico, where anyone who is uh, a public official is a target for assassination. We're not there. But it is a fraught time. And, you know, Donald Trump didn't create this problem. Donald Trump enabled it. Yep. He, he helped expose it, expose it because uh, he normalized it in a lot of ways. But it, it, as ugly as it is, in some ways I'm grateful that we now see that, there, you know, 30% of America is this roiling mass of anger and fear and disdain for the rest of the country. And we have to, we're going to have to come to grips with that and address it. Now, the work I do at Victory, I've chosen to do this, to do this because I believe that 
you know, a march is a moment in time. A protest is, is important and it can make things happen. But somebody has to be in the room to sign that piece of legislation to, you know, direct the final action. And I want to be able to put people in the room. And it's going to depend on people saying, I'm going to conquer my fears. I'm going to do whatever it needs, whatever I need to do to win this race so that the, the Marjorie Taylor Greens and the Lauren Boberts aren't the face of democracy in America because they are so anti-democratic. Mm-hmm. And and it's they come from a place of 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 hate. Now, again, I have been doing this for a long time, and I would not have survived nearly fifty years of activism by doing it. I mean, I get frustrated and I get angry, but I don't come from a place of anger. I, I you know, I guess it sounds a little a little trite, but you know, I, I have faith. I know what is possible. In human beings, and I'm going to keep trying to to with with people of, of good faith, trying to make a difference. And even and even if I don't succeed, I'm I can't accept that doing nothing is an option. I mean, I do. I talk to a lot of people who are who are frustrated and oh, I'm just going to give up and voting doesn't matter and and the Maybe not every time. Right. Maybe we get an abomination like Donald Trump, but right. we can't not try. We can't not strive. And the world and and the world has changed. Just not as much as we want, and not as permanently as we had thought. You know, I so apologies because I too have <laughs> I too have an animal in my home at this time. Um, you know, one of the things that is really troubling me, right, at this time is that we have, you know, we're speaking today, as folks, you're listening to this, the decision to overturn Roe v. Wade has come down and that followed the decision for the Supreme Court also to, uh, to gut uh, New York City, New York State's ability to hold on to a 111-year-old law that would disallow conceal and carry in this state. Um, which signals a lot, right? And I want to ask you, you know, as a former mayor of a city, what what implications that decision, the New York decision, um, has on our safety in cities, right? Um, which are inherently, uh, in a lot of ways, blue, right? Um, and, dem- and 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 inherently democratic, and also. Where, where every other part of every state receives its economic viability. So what does it mean now, right, that this decision has come to pass? You are right that virtually every major city in America has a Democratic majority, and most of them have Democratic mayors, and they are the economic engines of their state. But Texas has had a, an open carry bill uh, for a while now, the legislature's been moving rapidly in that direction. For a long time, we had a a, a reasonable and I think correct concealed carry uh, law, which required people to get a permit. It wasn't onerous to get a permit, but you did have to spend time in class proving that you knew how to handle a gun and that you you knew the gun laws in the state of Texas. But the last session. They passed something called so-called constitutional carry, which anybody, essentially, what the Supreme Court has now done to the entire mm-hmm. country. Uh, the there's no there's not going to be an immediate practical effect, but over time, what you have is more and more people normalizing the carrying of guns, and less and less knowledge about how to safely do that. So now we've had this so-called, again, constitutional carry for long enough that um, we've had a rash of child shootings where they have an un- find an unsecured gun and start playing with it. Or we've, we've had a rash of, of road rage incidents in, in Houston where you know, people are frustrated, shoot at somebody barreling down the, the, the freeway, which isn't just a danger to the person they're shooting at, but to everybody else on the road. And that's the, it, it, it's like a, a barrier breaks. 
that we already have a serious problem of, of gun violence across America, particularly uh, young men shooting other young men. And uh, violent, you know, gang violence, uh, where you have known, essentially known assailants, or assailants known to each other. Um, what this adds is that is a layer of an additional unsafe layer to people who never thought about having what to do. I, my children are now uh, in the ground. My youngest is 27, but I have grandchildren now, and. You know, when you think about, oh, my kids going to go on a kids or grandkids going to go on a play date, and you know, you used to think about, well, is there going to be a parent at home, and and you know, what do I have to what do I have to worry about? Now you have to worry about is there going to be an unsecured firearm somewhere, and and really, you know, parents are going to have to 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 step up and and step in. Now we are also having the conversation right now because of the horrific shooting in Uvalde. Uh, about arming teachers in the weeks since that shooting where we find out that three different police agencies on the scene mm -hmm. failed to act and allowed those children to be killed. Yep. So you have armed, trained police officers yep. huddled outside. But, oh, let's get a, give a teacher who really has no place to secure that weapon and no time for something else to do and, and not, no requirement for training now to have a gun in the – in the classroom, that's going to make us safer. That's just that's just an absurd argument. A, the, you know, the Second Amendment is a well-regulated militia being necessary. To my mind, the well-regulated militia, I was perfectly comfortable with. Yes, go learn how to shoot a gun, handle a gun, prove that you know how. I can accept that, but this open, you know, complete open carry is. Um, insane. And at a time when you have this rising tension, and we've already talked about that, that this is not, you know, the principled opposition is that you have, as we saw with the January 6th, the rhetoric is so extreme on the right, the people who look like, like you and me, we're, we're the enemy. Yep. And if you are the enemy and not an opponent, then it's a small step to, I can do violence against you. Yep. And yeah, I have the means in my hand or on my waistband. I mean, I just, you know, I, I guess fine. fine there's, not a lot, there's, there's not a lot that mayors can do either right. if the states do that. Now, you know, we, the cities do, we do gun buyback programs. We do violence reduction programs. We, we give away gun locks um, so that responsible gun owners can, can secure their firearms. But when I was mayor, we, at the request of the Houston Zoo, of all things, the Houston Zoo belongs to the city of Houston, but it's privately operated. They wanted to, in the summer, I mean, it's a zoo. It's filled with kids all the time, and particularly uh, school field trips during the, during the school year. And they wanted to be able to ban guns at the zoo. And so we banned guns at the zoo, and the state of Texas promptly overrode my ability to do that. Because, of course, somebody, you know, the, I guess the chaperone of a school bus full of kids at the zoo ought to have a gun. I just, I mean, it is just, I, I, I feel like we are in crazy town. You, you say that it'll take the rest of your life to fight. I, 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 this is generations upon generations that we are, for the first time, I'm going to be looking at my goddaughter and nieces and nephews and realizing that. The world that they are coming into is a world that is completely unsafe for, for them with queer parents, for them who are black, for them with uteruses. Like it is just, it is a wild idea that we are creating a generation that is going to be far worse than the previous generations. And so you know, my last question to you is about the LGBTQ community as a whole, in your opinion. You know, the radical right has placed a target on the backs of trans youth, of trans people, of the LGBTQ community as a whole. You have this decision that came down, and I'll and I'll read you this that I had saw right before I came on, that um Clarence Thomas uh just filed a concurring opinion to the Dobbs decision calling for the court to consider overturning 
gay marriage, overturning birth control, right? And overturning Lawrence v. Tribe. Uh, Lawrence v. And Texas, so, but yes, yeah. Lawrence, I'm sorry, Lawrence v. Texas. Lawrence v. Texas. So um, I, I read this. They are saying the loud part, there's no quiet part. They're on bullhorns. They have organized. They have strategized, and their moment has arrived. Victory's been saying this for a long time. Uh, Victory Fund, Victory Fund, and Victory Institute, we're a 31-year-old organization. We have been a pro-choice organization, even though that we're focused on, we don't do lobbying or anything, but we're a pro-choice organization. In the beginning, when we were founded, it was every candidate we endorsed, they have to be LGBT, and they had to believe in a right to privacy. Because we could clearly see the links. At the time, Roe was in place. And so we said you had to believe in, you had to be pro-choice and believe in a right to privacy because we were working to overturn sodomy statutes, which is, which happened in, in Lawrence v. Texas. And we mm-hmm. were working to make sure that we had um, equal marriage in the Obergefell decision. And so we knew that they were in, inextricably linked now everyone can see in the minds of the right that this was this is a it, it is a these these are calculated and planned to have the dominoes fall. We have to wake up as the title of your your uh, <laughs> oh guess, yes. here, we have yes. to wake up and recognize that that this is not an accident this is a planned strategy and that uh, the lgbtq community uh, people of color immigrants whatever the target of the week is it is a target of convenience in a larger plan uh, to they, they truly i believe again that 30 percent of america that wants to return to a time that will never come back but they can sure drag us through the mud to try to get there a uh, it is uh, it is a, a, an ugly mix of white supremacy and mm-hmm. and economic angst and uh, just the need to raise yourself up only because because the only way you can do that is by belittling somebody else and uh, it's um, it's fueling what's going on here but there and when you it, it, what has reminded me lately is the the old story about you know, riding the back of the tiger and, and, um, you ride the back of the tiger and, and people fear you and you can, you can do amazing things when you have the tiger underneath you. But when, when at some point, either the tiger gets tired of carrying you or you want to dismount the tiger, you realize that there's no way you can get off without the Mm. tiger eating you. And that is what has happened, I think, to the right, because they have provoked this mob mentality and, uh, you know, going through the halls of Congress, talking about hanging Mike Pence, who was the epitome of, you know, the, the conservative mindset and has been a loyal soldier in the conservative cause for decades. That's what happens. The, the mob runs amok. We have to, we have to stand against it. I mean, we, we and I have faith do. and I have hope and I, and, and maybe it's because I know how much worse it was when I started out. And I don't think it will go back there. The, the, but let's close with th- talking about young people. Mm-hmm. And when, when the Houston Equal Rights Ordinance went down in, in flames, my last year as, as actually, the, the day we elected my successor as mayor of Houston, that uh, Equal Rights Ordinance was on, the, was on the ballot. The average age of voter was 68 years old. Wow. This was a regular municipal election in November with a ballot initiative to provide non-discrimination protections, not just to the LGBTQ community, but to everyone in Houston. Houston remains the only major city in America that doesn't have any local non-discrimination protections. It went down because of the age of the voter. If the age of the voter had been 50, I think the outcome would have been different. If, the, if anybody under 40 had bothered to show up in that municipal election, it there's no doubt in my mind that the outcome would have been different. I don't know what it takes. Maybe this road decision will wake up millennials and Gen Xers to what we baby boomers have been facing for a very long time and working for and thought we had handed them a better world. 
now we can all see that, yeah, we did hand them a better world, but it's not safe. It could go backwards and we can all see it. Yeah. And I think that this is the first time uh, in our lives um, that folks are seeing things go backwards. Like I said, I entered a pol- I entered politics at a time of progression, at a time of expansion, where we thought that we had already done the hard, bloody, violent work. And then we were in a place of, of conversation about expansion. You didn't have um, to go to the Edmund Pettus Bridge. No. You may have to go to the Edmund Pettus yeah. Bridge now. Yeah. 100%. Mayor Anise Parker, thank you so much for making the time to join Woke AF. Thank you for the work that you're doing um, to get as many, as many uh, LGBTQ candidates at the state, local, and national level to run. Um, folks, if you are interested, please do check out Victory Fund. Do check out Victory Institute. They also train candidates. They support candidates um, and give you everything that you need in order to win. And winning is what we need more than anything. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Indisputable with Dr. Rashad Ricci is one of the latest shows on the TYT network and also the fastest growing news show in America. On his show, Dr. Ricci plays no games regarding policy, delivering a heavy dose of fact-based truth and penetrating analysis on all the top news stories focusing on racism, criminal and social justice, politics, police brutality, Karens, and much more. Listeners can also expect interviews with fascinating guests, political leaders, commentators, and even fiery debates with conservatives on a wide range of policy topics in the bullpen. It is an indisputable fact that you will love this show. Listen to Indisputable with Dr. Rashad Ricci on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you like what you hear, be sure to subscribe so you never miss a new episode. Folks, be well. This is one of the most fucked up weeks that I've experienced since Donald Trump became president, since the insurrection, by the way, which nobody has really been indicted for because Merrick Garland is in Ukraine. Because that makes fucking sense. Let's go save other people's democracy while ours continues to go up in flames. Power to the people and to all the people power. Get woke. Get woke and stay woke as fuck. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. Nobody wants to outlive their money, but it happens, especially for women. That's why Gainbridge offers the Parity Flex annuity, designed for women's unique retirement needs, with flexible withdrawals plus a guaranteed lifetime income benefit that keeps paying you even if your account balance is zero. Gainbridge is helping build a better financial future for women. Retirement income you can't outlive is the ultimate flex. Start saving now at Gainbridge.io. Visit Gainbridge.io slash ParityFlex for current rates, full product disclosures and disclaimers, and other important information. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your your perfect home sweet home.